Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Microsoft Teams is helping a bicycle company reinvent the way that they work. We make low-maintenance bicycles for everyday riders. Once the pandemic hit, we had nobody coming into the showroom. So we started doing virtual visits via Microsoft Teams. We're able to see two or threefold the amount of customers we used to be able to see. All of a sudden, we could open up our showroom to customers around the world. I really think it's going to set a standard for retail moving forward. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash Teams. We are back and we are live. It is Fight IQ presented by Rotowire UFC 229. It is finally here. And unless you've been living under a rock, you know our main event is Connor Notorious McGregor taking on Habib the Eagle Nurmagomedov. But we are here to talk DFS and DraftKings. While that fight is huge, we're here to help all of you who may be getting into DraftKings really mainly because that fight is so awesome. There are 11 other fights. You're going to need to know how to approach this card. We'll break down all of them. We will also, of course, touch on that big main event, how you should approach it for DraftKings. I'm your host of Fight IQ, the Daily Fantasy Sniper, the analyst. These guys you can see in the windows below. It is Chris Olsen of Rotowire, at Real Chris Olsen. And Joe goes by Sun Tzu on Twitter. Guys, are you as excited as everybody else? Go ahead, Chris. I always go first. Oh, I am! I am super excited. In fact, for this card, I, uh, I I ended up joining the gamble comp gamble master competition for the fourth quarter. For anybody who doesn't know what that is, oh, it's, it's cool. essentially yeah, essentially it's like fantasy sports gambling. You have a set amount, you buy in, and then for the quarter, you make bets like you would any other uh, book, but you just make them, and whoever has the highest bankroll at the end wins the prize. So it's a good way to gamble without losing too much money with a chance to win some. So not only do I think that'll be fun and give me a chance to win some money personally, but it'll give me more in tune with actual bets and what I'm looking at and props and all that good stuff. So yeah. Let me, let me tell to... you, dude, that is, I, I actually have played that before. It's just, I could not find the time, but the guy that runs that Sart, Jerry, he does an awesome job. I mean, and he does all the programming himself. He, he's the, he's like one of the tout master guys, right? And yeah. he does that gamble master. And it updates like real time odds with from five dimes. So oh, yeah. You can play all the props, all the parlays. Yeah, you could do everything. And what's really cool about it is if you really want to test out like, you know, some theory or some system or formula that you have for gambling on MMA, what a great like cost effective way to do it, like yeah. in a simulated manner. And, and to your point, you could even win some money. So that's right. very cool. Very cool. Gamble Master is cool. I'm looking into doing it. Probably started next year. A little busy right now, but yeah, DraftKings, really guys. DraftKings. This is where this is where we're at here. Before we get started, make sure you go to Rotowire, rotowire.com slash free. They have tons of usually paid content that you can check out for free for 10 days, no credit card required. Uh, season-long, daily fantasy optimizers, articles, all the good stuff. Go and check it out there. They are the sponsors of this podcast. So please check them out. Also, of course, we do these live. Fridays are on 8 o'clock Eastern time. If you're watching live, thank you. Give us a thumbs up. Subscribe to the channel. Ask us any questions live. We will touch them as we go. If you're listening on the iTunes feed afterwards, Friday, 8 o'clock, follow, you know, as I said, subscribe on YouTube. You'll get notifications when we uh, pop live, and you can ask us questions. As right now, people are um, – <laughs> 
uh, people are asking Sun Tzu who the Chase Sherman of the week is. We will get there. Uh, <laughs> you went on quite a quite a run on Chase Sherman. I'll last tell you, man. I I, uh, I I was so lucky I didn't have to eat crow there because I didn't know, and, and I don't know if this the general populace knows this, but um, our boy, um, he broke his hand. Um, and he still finished Chase Sherman with a broken hand. So, like, you're wondering, like, he's landing a lot of shots, and this guy, you know, everybody thinks he hits pretty hard, and obviously these are heavyweights. Like, you know, why is he – well, actually hitting Chase with all those shots was great for DraftKings because this guy ended up, yes. you know, breaking 100 points. But, you know, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, he's hitting him. Chase has got a glass jaw. Why is he not getting finished? And then I find out after the fight he broke his hand. So well, <laughs> I'm like, okay. It scored well. Speaking yeah. of score of scoring well, let's jump into a fight that I think is going to be one of the chalky underdogs of the night. I think a lot of lineups are going to be made made and or broken right off the bat. We open up the card. Ryan Lafleur, eighty eight hundred, taking on Tony Martin at seventy four hundred. The odds on this fight: Lafleur is the favorite, but it's all the way down to minus one thirty. Tony Martin, huge odds value here. Plus 120 if you are new, which I'm hoping we have a few new people. And stick around after the after you know 229. There's DraftKings is fun all the time, but uh, odds value is when relative to the price of a fighter, you are getting good Vegas odds. Usually a pick'em, you know, minus 110 a piece in Vegas is about 8100, and you can kind of you know scale up or down from there. So plus 120 for a guy who costs 7400 is what we like to call really solid odds value. Uh, this fight also, by the way, is is expected to go to a decision. Minus 365 over two and a half rounds. Something you'll have to target in your cash games, your head-to-heads. Really should be a solid floor for Tony Martin. Getting into the fight breakdown of it. Let's start with Chris this week. Tony Martin, Ryan LaFlair. What's up? Uh, yeah, n- not much uh, with the LaFlair camp. I mean... There, there's really nothing you can do. He sort of he, he reminds me of like a, a grapple version of Sam Alvey. He just sort of, you know, uh, s- stifles opponent's offense. You know, maybe he'll get control, lay and pray victories. And but I mean, yeah, he hasn't. It's, it's funny because early in his career, he got nothing but finishes and he's never had a finish in the UFC. So uh, you can't rely on him for 8800. So that's basically out the window. But I think the much more interesting thing to talk about here is Martin. Um, I think I think Martin's striking looked pretty good in that Nakamura fight. Um, I, I like his – he's got a good sharp one too. He's a good counter puncher. Um, he, he likes to look for that counter uppercut, which might be interesting here because if we remember, you know, that's how uh, how LaFleur got finished by uh, Mr. Mr. Cowboy Oliveira. So um, – but I'm not, I'm not relying on a finish here. I do think that Tony Martin, I mean, his takedown defense isn't great, but it's improving. But also, uh, he's very good in the scrambles. He's very good at getting sweeps. He um, And and LaFleur was, I mean, he, he had to really work to, to win those scrambles against uh, Alex Garcia. So even if uh, LaFleur gets some takedowns, which I expect him to get at least one or two, I don't expect Martin to be on his back for long. And what I really expect this to turn into eventually is sort of a slow-paced boxing match, which I expect – uh, Martin to win. So I'm going to go Tony Martin by decision. I think that's pretty, that's the consensus train of thought here. Why people are on Tony Martin. Uh, neither one of these guys is worth noting. Typically score very well in wins. You don't need a ton from Martin at his price. Um, but if he does, if Martin does pop back up, that's when LaFleur does score well. Um, early in his UFC days, he took down Howard four times, McGee four times, Ponzinibbio five, Holloway six. And in those fights, he scored 102, 134, 87, 105. Since then, though, it's been a bunch of crap in his wins. His last three wins, you know, two mid-60s and a mid-50. Not great. Won't get it done at 8,800. I think there's better plays in the price range. Joe, how are you attacking this? Okay, so this is obviously one of the worst kept secrets and 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 you know on this slate right is odds value tony martin 7.4k look i i i'm not gonna pick Lafleur here but people have got to look at the nar- some of the narrative here there is a strong amount of recency bias um two things one is sean shelby has come out and told tony martin and ryan Lafleur that they're the two most boring fighters on the roster Right. So he said that to these guys. You guys are the two most boring fighters on the roster. OK, 
Okay. He looked really good, Tony Martin did, against Nakamura. Um, I don't know that if he didn't perform as well or just kind of won a decision against Nakamura that you'd see this odds value. Um, on the positive side, this is his second camp at, at American Top Team. Um, he is, uh, I, well, at least I hope he's rolling with, his girlfriend, um, you know, Harrison, the judoka who, who is uh, kind of fighting on the PFL slate. Um, you know, so there's some narrative here. Um, LaFleur is this kind of boring grinding fighter. Um, yeah, did okay against Alex Garcia. I think I might've been on Garcia in that fight. It looks like he just gassed. So I would be careful here. You know, there's a lot of people touting Martin. Um, I'm going to pick him here too, but just tread carefully. Next up, look at this. Another underdog that I like. Back to back, start the card. And then I think we get into a lot of favorites. Nick Lentz, 9,000, taking on Gray Maynard, 7,200. Nick Lentz, as you would guess by the price, obviously the favorite. Current line, minus 235. Gray Maynard, plus 215 on the comeback. Minus 290, over two and a half rounds. Another fight to go to a decision. Uh, Before I let Joe kick this one off, I want to dispel a couple of narratives you may have heard out there. You've heard that Gray Maynard is shot and has no chin. Gray Maynard could be shot. One of the ways he loses this fight is he gets chin-checked. But he hasn't been knocked out in his last four fights. Ross Pearson did catch him. Not a great sign. He had three straight you know, losses by knockout. But since then, he's been in there with Yakovlev, uh, Uriah Hall. That was, a, that was a decision, but he lost. And Taruto Ishihara, he just wrestled you-know-what for three rounds, which is the way you can beat Nick Lentz. Nick Lentz is live to his submission, has a good grappling game, but I think Maynard is live to the takedowns here, especially at 7,200. And going back to the the uh, Maynard getting KO'd narrative I wanted to touch on, uh, Nick Lentz has one UFC knockout. So I, I don't see that as being one of the likely paths to victory here. A dog that I know we're starting with back-to-back underdogs, but like I mentioned there's not a ton in the way of dog value on this card in my mind. So I like Gray Maynard. Joe, how do you have this fight? Stylistically, this is a pretty good matchup for Maynard. Um, you know, pretty decent, you know, matchmaking if you want to give the old warhorse a, a shot at a legitimate win here. I don't understand. They're both old warhorses. Yeah, I don't understand the, the the opening odds on this. Someone, I think, blew it. But, you know, the only time that Maynard was ever submitted, ever, was in an exhibition bout, and he was submitted by the great Nate Diaz um, in an exhibition bout. Yes, he's been knocked out, but I don't see Lenz as that knockout kind of guy. I mean, Will Brooks was just beating the ever-loving crap out of him, and then from his ba- – I believe it was from his back he locked in a a, a choke. I don't see May- – I Maynard is so much better a wrestler here. I believe he's a D1 wrestler. They might both be D1 wrestlers. Uh, I'm not sure. We'll have to check that, but – I just think Maynard is not going to fall into that guillotine while he has Lenz on his back. And I don't think Lenz has that distinct a standing advantage here where he's going to, you know, test Maynard's chin. Maybe he wins an ugly decision, but I certainly don't like the value on Lenz at that price. And I think Maynard makes a live dog. So my selection is Maynard. So somebody in chat called me. I typed it, but I said Uriah Hall. I meant to say Ryan Hall. I don't. I don't Ryan know. Hall. That yeah. was a close slip of the tongue. Um, yeah. Anyway, what do you, what do you got for this fight, Chris? Yeah, I actually really really like Maynard here. Um, uh, Nick Lentz is a guy who basically, if you look at his takedown defense, it's something like forty two percent or something, and that's because he lets you take him down because he wants to grab that guillotine. The only problem is. For as much as he loves it and always tries it, I think he has like two in the UFC, and one of them was Will Brooks. So I'm I'm really not uh, I'm really not worried about that. And as Joe said, he's uh, Gray Maynard's never been submitted. He's been in there with with some pretty good uh, jujitsu players. So I'm I'm really not worried about that at all. Uh, Nick Lentz has has more of of like a, a a pressing forward meat and potatoes boxing style than Maynard does, but he also tends to chase his opponents around uh, around the cage. So like a, like a counter a, a counter shot to hurt Lentz here, I don't think is out of the question. And I don't think that Lentz, like I, I can really see the, uh, an issue where like he, his spacing isn't good and he's chasing uh, Maynard around and Maynard gets takedowns that way. So um, 
Yeah, I don't really, I don't really see. I mean, I guess, um, I guess Lentz could box him up for a decision, but I see, uh, I see Maynard getting takedowns in this fight, and I see a really clear window uh, for him to to win that way. Lentz has lost that way in the UFC before, uh, maybe to a better grappler than uh, Ray Maynard, you might say, but the the window is there, and uh, so yeah, I'll be, I'm going to be on Maynard a lot here. All right, next up a fight that I'm actually really, really excited for DFS-wise, and I think it'll surprise a lot of people. Yana Kunitskaya, 8,500, kicking on Lena Landsberg, 7,700. Kunitskaya is the favorite in this one. I believe this is one of the lines that's been climbing. Uh, five times minus 210 right now. Come back on Landsberg, plus 190. Look, Kunitskaya, this is, you know, coming off of both of these... Both of them lost to Cyborg, right? I think we've heard that a, a bunch of times. Yeah. yeah. Um, but Kunitskaya, I think, is – she's the prospect. Landsberg's been around for a while. They both have a similar fighting style in that they'll they'll decent volume, throw in the clinch. Uh, they both are actually really good in the clinch. I think Kunitskaya is better. I also think she's stronger, and if she wants, could get takedowns here. I think Kunitskaya – I am much higher on her than I am of Landsberg. I know what Landsberg is. I think I have a decent, uh, um, decent eye on what Kunitskaya could be. So she's my pick in this one. Chris, how do you have this fight? Yeah, uh, I, I agree, and and I'll go a step further. Uh, this is this is one of my one of my gamble master plays. My first one actually is uh, the that 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 uh, TKO prop for Kunitskaya is like plus five hundred. Like if you if you looked at just the last three fights for Kunitskaya, you might get the impression. That she's just like a like a like a a grappler, but she's actually I mean, and she was on the regional scene uh, a pretty uh, ferocious kickboxer. She's got nine, I think nine of her wins or seven of her wins are uh, KOTKOs. She likes to press forward. She's got a good kicking game. She throws in combination. I think I think the grappling, especially with Cyborg, might might have been a, a matchup choice, and uh, you know. She did that in her last couple Invicta fights too. But even if she does want to grapple here, uh, we saw what happens when Landsberg goes to the ground in the Aspen Lab fight. And I and I agree with you, uh, Sean. And I think this is a major point that all all Landsberg wants to do literally is put you up against the cage and land knees. And I think Kuniskaya is going to be stronger there. Uh, we saw her be strong there against uh, Cyborg. We saw her strong there against uh, Tanya Evinger. So I think she's going to be plenty strong there, at least to get a separation if she wants. I think she can get takedowns if she wants. She's not a great grappler, but she's a willing one. And Lena Landsberg isn't any kind of grappler. So, yeah, I, I actually see a finish for Kuniskaya here, and I, I also think it can be an under-the-radar If you are new to this podcast and new to MMA DFS Twitter, you'll, you should know that Joe is the um, – not self-proclaimed. We've all crowned him. No, I have him. not proclaimed myself. We, we, ha- we have crowned him the king of women's MMA. He has a really good read on it. He watches just as much as anybody else. Watch, like I'll watch the main card of Invicta. Joe will watch the whole damn card. I watch all Invicta. So, Joe, what do you have for Kunitskaya Landsberg? Okay, I wish I could give everybody a hot take on this fight, but I really don't have one because I see Landsberg as a five-minute fighter. Um, and she will have to win and do all her damage via a tie clinch up against the cage. To Chris's point, Yana is pretty strong. Um, I am not as confident as a finish, although I certainly think it can happen because I think Yana is going to keep it standing. I mean, opportunistically, maybe she'll take it down, but I think she's happy striking. So I do like Yana in this fight. Again, it's not a huge hot take. I, I have some you know, set for later on. But I do like Yana here. I think uh, if Landsberg, you, you should probably have one or two shares of her if you're playing mass entry and, and you know, maybe one share of her. Because if she gets it done, if she wins, I see her winning in the first five minutes. Because that, that seems to be where she expends the lion's share of her energy. So if she catches Yana with an elbow or something, anything could happen relative to that. These, these are women's fights. Um, you know, she took Yana took some damage in one of her fights, um, so it's not unprecedented. But I do like Yana here fairly significantly. And you know what? We get another women's fight to talk about right off the back of it. 
Aspen Ladd, 8,200, taking on Tanya Evinger, who is at 8,000. Uh, the odds on this fight, Aspen Ladd, has odds value, minus 165. Tanya Evinger, plus 155. I don't I haven't been on my computer checking odds today. Not doesn't like there's been any big drop, but Aspen Ladd did not look good away. And oh, my God, she looked horrible. Shaking, had trouble standing up. People I've talked to are totally dismissing and saying, ah, she'll, she'll, uh, she, she'll be fine. Listen, mm-hmm. that affects you guys. 30 hours is, is not enough. I'm not saying flip and, and go – like, I'll tell you how it's affected me. Is I was probably going to straight fade Tanya Evinger. I don't think I can quite do that anymore. I haven't made up a final, my mind for sure yet, but there, there's definitely some risk there, especially being that dehydrated affects your chin. It, it just your whole body's more apt to shut down. It's just we, we've seen it before. It's not a guarantee. Lad is young. Her body could bounce back. This She is just big for this weight class, and she's going to be bigger than Tanya Evinger, who has a mom bod. Um, she just, she is a tough old lady, um, and, and is talented. I, I don't want to, sometimes you hear soccer mom and it's an insult, but she looks like it, but she can fight. She is a grizzled vet, was the Invicta champion for a while. Um, the problem is that it's, they, to me, these two have pretty similar styles. And I think Glad is just obviously younger and a little better, a little more explosive when it comes to it. So I still want to take Aspen Lad. I think this is a close fight that goes to a decision and, I probably wasn't going to have a ton of it until now I got to figure out what I want to do with this, this weight cutting issue. Cause maybe now lad knows she doesn't have that much gas in the tank and she's going to try and get a finish. Um, Joe overall breakdown of the fight plus your thoughts on this, this weight cutting. Okay. So I, tr- you know, full disclosure, I have Tanya Evinger in an open-ended parlay with Jan Blankovitz. So I, I liked when I first saw the, the line put up for this fight and it was relatively even I thought to myself, I'm getting the former Invicta champion um, at even. I'm going to I'm gonna take this now. Obviously, in hindsight, I should have waited um, and maybe yes. not done the parlay. Um, I'm, I'm really surprised. Look, I, I love Aspen Ladd. I've watched every one of her fights. I touted her as a prospect. Um, I think being young actually works against her. I mean, she was a 125-er, and she's had problems making 135, which means she's growing. Now, she looks shredded in some of her pictures, but looking shredded, and being able to eat properly and cut weight are two completely different ways of training. So the fact that she looks so bad, and I, I even when, when she was doing the um, the presser, the interviews where you know you stand under your name and the press comes up to you, I had never seen her look that hot. <laughs> like I was like, okay, wow, like she lost her baby fat, but she must just be putting on muscle and packing muscle in because if a former one twenty five is having this much trouble making well, one thirty five. Anthony yeah. Pettis, the former featherweight champion, it took him a while to, to make lightweight today. Yeah, I mean, you know, exactly. They needed to use the towel. So I'm thinking to myself, I'm feeling a lot better about my my Avenger play. I would really be cautious of the odds value here because I it, maybe, to your point, Sean, it'll push Aspen Ladd to get something done. But my pick to win the fight is Tanya Avenger. She's fought much better competition. She has some great victories. Um, unfortunately, the only thing that Evinger seems to really be known for is the fact that after winning Invicta, she she threw up in, in the bucket in her corner and then, you know, went out and put a full lip lock on Laura Senko, which, look, I can't blame her for that. But um, it was it was like terrifying to watch that. But my pick is Tanya Evinger. Chris? Yeah, I uh, I was a little surprised when I saw this line just because I think that I mean, I, I think that Tanya is probably at least the more experienced grappler. I think she's probably the better MMA grappler. And I think that um, Aspen Ladd, I, I, I like her, her come forward, uh, like her, her pressure striking style. But And uh, and uh, Evinger holds her hands really low and she's really got an open guard. So that could be an, a problem. And I thought about that, but in the at the end of the day, I just I don't see a scenario where Evinger doesn't get her hands on Ladd. And I think when that happens, it's basically going to be Avengers World. And, really? Uh, that is so damn know, strong. I, I don't know, man. I, I I was thinking about that too. Avenger, I, Avenger was was you know was holding her own with Cyborg in the clinch she's too. Crafty. She is crafty. She took you know, Cyborg down. One of two people. Yeah, that I yeah. she's, down. she's crafty and more and has more technique. I think physical physical strength goes to Lad. Oh, we'll see. 
that's a, maybe a little bit. I, I don't I don't think I don't know. I don't think that's going to be like an overwhelming thing in any case. But I I just I don't know. Like I I, I just have this recurring picture in my head of of Evander get, getting this fight to the floor and and working her top game. And so yeah, my pick is uh, Evander possibly by submission. There's more people around Evander. Maybe I'm I'm going to stick with my light exposure. I feel I feel decent about it. Moving go. on a fight. All right, guys. If we want to, if you want to go on and on about McGregor and Habib, let's move past this one quickly. Vicente Luque, ninety four hundred, taking on Jalen Turner, sixty eight hundred. Uh, Luque is a minus eight twenty five favorite. Turner took this fight on short notice, and he is facing, in my opinion, one of the most underrated guys in this division. Vicente Luque is a killer. Like his only loss, I believe, is to uh, Leon Edwards, who's top Edwards top 10 top 15 oh, way, yeah, at least top 10 maybe top five like 10. yeah right there um Miko Price submitting him you know on short notice w- was impressive um hits hard good submissions this guy that I just think is really underrated Vicente Luque if you can fit him in your lineups I say go for it um yeah I, I don't unless Jalen Turner pulls an Alex Hernandez on us I mean this one should be the slam dunk of the card, but it's MMA. Uh, Chris, what do you got? Yeah, I um, I, if you watched uh, Jalen Turner's uh, looking for a fight fight, he should have had his opponent out of there like three times. But what happens is he he held his hand so low that he was he was eating every single hook that his opponent threw, and so he almost got himself knocked out. He had to panic wrestle uh, at least once in that fight. And a guy a guy as athletic and and crafty as Vicente Luque, you're just He's just not going to give you that many opportunities if you let him hang around. I think he's got the length and the attributes to hurt pretty much anybody. He's got good straight punches, but um, you know he just gets tagged tagged too much. And uh, we saw we saw Luke get that counter hook knockout on uh, who was that Chad Laprise. So I just think I just think he's got he's got way too many tools. He's just going to be he's just going to be too seasoned, and he's going to be. Uh, for a guy, frankly, I think in uh, Jalen who's who's too reckless, and I think it's going to get him knocked out. Joe, well, okay, so horrible matchmaking. Um, you know, I, I don't understand it at all. Why not give Luke someone, you know, n- not with a little bit more experience? For also, Turner is a natural lightweight. This is short notice. It was uh, Bala Muhammad fell off the card, I think. Yeah, but still though, dude, like. I, it's horrible matchmaking. Turner's a natural light. He's a, he's a lightweight in the James Vick mold. He's moving up to welterweight. He, I mean, look, Michael Bisming, I believe he's one of Bisming's main sparring partners or was, you know, they all say good things about him, but he's the people he beat. He's crushed a lot of cans. Um, you know, I, with that said, he's got nothing to lose. If there's anybody who should be looser on this entire card, he should be the loosest fighter for that reason. I've got two lineups out of my 150 with Jalen Turner in it. Because if he wins, he's probably going to be on the optimal yep. lineup. Yep. Right? So if you're going to, like, if you're playing 10 lineups, it's perfectly fine to fade him. Luke, on the other hand, you know, to earn his salary, to get you the 11 to 12 acts that you need for GPPs, he's going to have to either get a, a first-round finish with some takedowns and some grappling points, or he's going to have to – you know, just do a lot of striking and get a second round finish. If this goes to decision or if Luke, if somehow this fight makes it to the third round, Luke is not going to earn salary. So be very careful. But I do see him as pretty much a cash lock. All right, moving on. Felice Herrig, 8,300. Oh, wait, I skipped the fight. Excuse me. And I don't know why I skipped this fight. This is one of my favorite spots in the card. And I'm, I'm, I think me and Chris are going to go at it here. I, I think we are. Sergio Pettis, 8,600, taking on Juicier Formiga, 7,600. A line on this fight, Sergio Pettis, believe, is, in my mind, inexplicably the favorite at minus 150, taking on Formiga at plus 140. I can't explain why, why Pettis is the favorite here. It's, it's because his last name is Pettis. Look, I know he beat Joe Benavidez. That was a close fight. Lost to uh, Cejudo, should, should have learned some things in that fight, but showed he had a hard time with the uh, takedown. Although he did stop a few, if I remember right. Uh, Five-round decision winning against Brandon Moreno. Brandon Moreno, guys. 
Um, another guy who I think was brought up too quick. This is, in my mind, just too much, too fast. Juicy Formiga, he loses to guys like Ray Borg, Henry Cejudo as well, and Joe Benavidez. But he beats, you know, that win over Wilson Hayes was really impressive to me. Now, his last couple, Ben Wen, Oka Sasaki, okay wins. I mean, Sasaki, not really, but Ben Wen's a solid win. He had a knockdown in that fight. Well, this is a flyaway fight that I think is going to hit the ground. I think Formiga is, has a big advantage down there. At 7,600, the guy going to look uh, to grapple, who I think is up against an overhyped opponent. I like Juicy A. Formiga quite a bit in this matchup. And I just assume that Chris is on Little Pettis. Defer to Chris because I want to do the next fight first. So let Chris go. All right, Chris. Go I think ahead. it was me anyway. And you have assumed correctly, sir. Yeah. Um, of course, of course I, uh, you love Pettis. His last name's Pettis. Get well, Pettis yeah. And, in your bedroom. Pettis and, uh, and uh, Alexio Linick all day long. But, um, oh, God. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I do, I do like Sergio Pettis quite a bit, and I, that's that uh, Joseph Benavides win. He, I mean, he showed you why in the first round. He has got some really sharp counter punching. Like it's it's sharp and it's crisp and it's hard. He hurt Benavides multiple times in that fight, and I think Juice Formiga's striking is going to leave some similar holes. And I expect Sergio Pettis to to c- crack Formiga uh, with something hard on the counter. As he's coming in. On top of that, I mean, yeah, he lost to uh, to uh, Henry Sudo in a grapple fest, but um, you know, Formiga doesn't look for takedowns with that kind of frequency. So if uh, if if you know Pettis can stuff one or two, maybe you know get the thought out of Formiga's head. Maybe he tries to stand a bit more. And if that if, happens, if he stops them, I'll give you. Say if I don't think he will, but we can disagree. I don't. Formiga's not well, stop. Formiga's going to keep shooting until he gets knocked out. If that were to happen, well, he—I mean, you—you you just said he stopped a couple of uh, of early Cejudo shots. So I mean, Cejudo didn't stop know. though. Formiga's not going to stop. If you're going to say that Pettis has takedown defense is kept, he's going to keep improving. I, I can see the line of thought. I just—I don't think it's going to become a stand-up fight. Formiga is either going is going to get this to the ground or go out on that sword. I think. Well, I think it's option two because I I just. I just, I just think his striking is gonna leave is gonna leave too many opportunities, and I think he he likes to stand m- more than you think he does. I think we disagree on that. I think um, you know, I think he's a guy who feels like his striking is improving, and and, and it it is, but you know, it's still a work in progress. So I think he's gonna give Pettis a lot more standing opportunity than he should, and I think it's gonna it's gonna lead to a Pettis win. Joe, what do you got? Well, I, I partially agree with Chris that if this does turn into a striking affair, um, and, and even from a DraftKings perspective, uh, Formiga is not a high-volume striker. However, with that said, he's a lead on the ground. I have doubts in my mind that Pettis even won that fight against Joe B. I, I, I'm not sure. I mean, I think that was close enough, you know, that either one of those guys could have won that fight. Um, however, um, 7.6 K chance of a submission. Um, I like, I like uh, juicy here. I just, uh, I would just caution people that if it does go to a decision, um, you better hope he has some grappling points because you're not going to get any points for significant strikes. Um, if he wins a decision, do you prefer Formiga or Martin? Ooh, um, well, there's obviously some price savings on Martin at 7.4. I think that Formiga's got a better chance to win. Uh, I won't even ask Chris because we uh, know his answer there. Uh, all right. You know, I'm getting a little stuck in um, in chat because you guys might want to search your um, Twitter. We'll talk about it in, in two fights, but um, – a little, a little tease. Actually, everybody else watching already knows. You guys, while the other one's talking, you might want to go on Twitter and just uh, search Volkov Lewis. A little, little bit of weigh-in fireworks that, that we'll have to talk about. Okay. Felice Herrig, 8,300, taking on Michelle Watterson at 7,900. Felice Herrig, minus 115. Ah. Michelle, the karate hottie Watterson, plus 105. If this was a looks competition... I, I actually think Felice Herrig is kind of cute, but that's because I'm into athletic tricks. But um, 
yeah, Michelle Watterson would win that competition in a first-round knockout. Holy Christ. That being said, this is a mixed martial arts fight. I'm taking Felice Herrig in the Rotowire staff picks. Everyone except Joe took Felice Herrig. He'll tell you why he's on Watterson. For me, I think Herrig is going to be able to do her bulldog thing here. Clinch fighting. I know Watterson has underrated grappling. I just think Herrig is going to be too strong in this matchup. I'm not sure how well it scores. I think it's going to be kind of a grindy type of fight, uh, similar to the Kovalkiewicz fight she just lost, where you know that was a, a good performance from Herrig. Um, I think it looks like that, but I think she gets the win here and muscles the undersized Watterson around. That being said, Joe, you wanted to go first here. Dude, you, you, can't, on, you, you, can't, you, you can't lob me softballs by like, are, saying, yeah. like saying Joe's on Watterson. Yeah, like I should, I should well, be. So I was going to say you, you said on Twitter <laughs> that you were on an island with her, and I replied, <laughs> you said I were on an island." Yeah, you and, can't. You can't give me softballs like that. So, so do I. Yeah, so I like my inside the distance prop with Waterson. I like. Uh, I like um, the fact that now I said my inside the distance prop. I didn't say the fight inside the distance prop. My inside the distance prop is probably like minus a thousand. But anyway, a lot is being made of this size advantage, right? Okay, go to topology. We're talking Felice Herrick 5'4", Michelle Watterson 5'3". Okay, we're talking one inch. So, like, I, I don't... She's bigger, Joe. She's okay, I don't know that she... Look, Michelle Watterson has actually showed some muscles in her past few fights. She's been working out. Look, I love Jackson Wayne. Um, Felice Herrick has been money. Have You know, I've done, I've done real well with her, you know, in DraftKings. And, you know, she's been money. I like both these fighters. Um, I just think that, look, she's shown Michelle Waterson that she can handle a bigger, rangier fighter in, in Casey. Now, I know that that was a hotly debated decision. I was on Waterson. I, I, I was probably alone on an island there, too, thinking that she won that fight. Um, I know a lot of people scored it for Casey. Um, you know, same thing with Herrig, uh, split decision win over Casey. I think this is going to be an interesting fight. I mean, uh, I don't know... Um, I just don't know that, uh, you know, it's going to be a great fight to target for, for DraftKings. I think you should probably have a small amount of exposure. However, you never know with some of these fights. Um, look, I, I like Waterson's submission game a lot. Now, it was a different time, so I will give Herrig the fact. The fact that Michelle just totally dominated Paige Van Zandt and and Felice actually lost to Paige Van Zandt. I would not make a lot of that because both fighters were in different places at the time. Um, you know, Felice has definitely improved. Um, but I, I don't know. I just don't see where she has a lot of advantage. And I think the whole strength and physicality argument is way overblown. So I'm going to take the dog here. And, and by that, I mean in odds, not in looks. Um, and I am going to take, and again, my inside the distance prop is minus 1,000. I'm going to take... Michelle Watterson, the karate hottie. Will and in chat, something that could totally happen. And we see women's MMA. He goes, mark it down. Watterson goes for head and arm throw. Felice takes her back and chokes her out. Could happen. Could we get the, the head and arm arm throw out of women's MMA, please? It's not going to happen. As long as someone has, a stre has the strength to do it, they're going to do it. Yeah, I suppose. Anyway, Chris. What do you got for this? Fight? Well, I mean, I, we we got to take Joe's with a, with a grain. I mean, he's clearly smitten, and so I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. He's clearly smitten. How much we can put it? Look, um, I thought she clearly uh, lost that uh, Courtney Casey fight. I mean, she was. Here's the thing: like you would think a small a smaller fighter like that, she would use her speed, and she did that in the Casey fight for about the first minute, and then got flat footed and got cracked really hard, and then got her takedown games going. But then she was fighting off submissions the whole fight. I mean, I, I, I don't really see where she won. I think that, um, you know, Herrig is clearly stronger. I mean, she might not be that much bigger as far as height goes. But, I mean, I, I don't think there's any question that she's going to be stronger in the clinch. I think, um, you know, she's, act she's actually got a good uh, counter boxing game. We saw that in the uh, Kovacavich fight. Um you know, and uh, I, I just I don't like Waterson's game. I, I guess I have to declare that as. Uh, I, I think just, you're going to be surprised by her spite by Waterson's strength. I well, don't. I, I think you will be. She did. She did get takedowns, as I said. But I mean, I mean, I, I, I just I don't see her. You know, really performing on the ground 
at all. I think um, Herrick has some uh, wins by submission. So, you know. So your pick I, is Herrick. I, I don't, my pick is emphatically Herrick. And I I think I don't like Watterson as a fighter as much as you like her as a fighter. So, you know, I just have to say that. As well, there's a, one, one thing I'm only – I'm going to add one thing, and then, then we'll let this fight go. There's this guy out there. He's not very prolific on Twitter, but he goes by the handle Mr. Arkansas. And he did a brilliant breakdown of this fight. I mean, like a pictorial breakdown with music. I mean, like if you don't want to watch, I mean, it's, there's some value in watching his entire pod. But if you just go and like watch the breakdown on the on the Waterston Herrick fight, it's brilliant. Um, so I, I would recommend that. All right. Next up, Alexander Volkov, 8,700, taking on Derek the Black Beast Lewis at 7,500. These two came to sort of blows at weigh-ins just now. Lewis knocked the hat off Volkov's head. Volkov went to throw a punch, kind of thought better of it, and threw his weak arm kind of strike, and it landed a little, but but everyone said came to blows. I saw the I saw the video. There was some contact there. Definitely not great. We've seen worse, probably. So um, these two, and Lewis says he's going to throw everything away in the first round, Not does not want to repeat of that Nganu fight. That was one of the worst heavyweight fights you'll ever see. Volkov's the guy who is on a roll, four straight in the UFC. Um, before he was in Bellator, he had some losses in Bellator, so it's not like he's always been a killer. But he's 30-6 and six overall, wins over Fabricio Verdum, Stefan Struve, Roy Nelson, Tim Johnson. That's a good list to have wins over. Derek Lewis has back issues. You never know who's going to show up. To me, this is actually a, a really interesting and close fight. Volkov, though, I think... I think Lewis was going to guess. That uh, was my thought coming in. I think he's going to outvolume him, get get Lewis tired, get a late finish. But of course, heavyweight fight live to the large knockout. I'm still going to go with Alexander Volkov. Um, I just, you know, if Volkov was able to deal with the ground game of Fabrizio Verdum, Lewis brings a different level of savage ground and pound. But I'm taking the Russian here. It's not a super confident pick though. But I'll take Volkov, Chris. Yeah, um, I'm actually, I'm, I'm actually fairly surprised that they gave uh, Lewis another, um, you know, prominent fight here on a main card like this. I, I just can't trust that, that Lewis's back issues are cleared up. I know he said he's working with, uh, you know, Tiger Woods' doctor and his back feels better now, but we've heard this from him before. He's got two um, fights in the UFC that he, he lost. He, well, he didn't lose that uh, Ngannou fight, but you know, Maybe he should have if Ngannou wanted to fight. But he's got two fights that were directly affected by his back issue that we know of. I think Shamil Abdul-Rakhimov is a third where he basically did nothing the entire fight through through little leg kicks, got taken down over and over, and finally was able to bulldoze him, get him to the ground, and finish. I think that when they get in, in the cage, um, you know, he might feel fine now. Let's see how he feels when, uh, when uh, you know, he's got to take evasive maneuver and somebody's sticking a jab in his face, which I think Volkov is going to do. I think Volkov is going to use his, his range very well here. Uh, we saw um, Lewis have trouble with, with range in the uh, in the Mr. Rousey fight. What is this? Travis Brown fight. Travis Brown. Travis Brown fight. Um, you know, if, if Brown, you know, had any sense of staying on him, he probably could have finished him in that fight. I just – this would have been a tough style matchup for Lewis anyway. But but the back injury, I just can't get past it. So I'm I'm going Volkov emphatically here. There's a whole debate going in chat about Mr. Arkansas, good, bad, or indifferent. Lewis is going to come out quick early. I, he's pretty much said that. Um, talking to Brandon Parker. Um, yeah, uh, I also saw some somebody post on Twitter that that scuffle had more strikes than the entire Ngannou Lewis fight. <laughs> uh, that being said, the winner, the Joe, winner of the chat, right? Yeah. There. What are you doing for? This fight in terms of DFS. Okay, so look, I mean, Lewis is if if Volkov is fights this smart, he should easily win this. And and by smart, I mean jab, 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 take down, grind. Lewis gasses out, maybe gets a second, third round finish by Volkov. Do not trade with this guy. That is a big mistake. Do not like like just just trade or wildly trade blows because you know he still has power. Um, he can get caught with something. Very impressed with the way Volkov has been fighting. Very impressed with the Verdum fight. Um, I, I heard a rumor that they actually wanted Volkov and Lewis to headline the Moscow card. 
as opposed to Linick Hunt. But Lewis, I, Lewis does not like to fly, apparently. So he did not really want to make that trip to, to Russia. Um, it would have been interesting. Um, but anyway, my pick is Volkov. I am just uncertain as to how solid a DraftKings play he'll be. I'm not really sure simply because um, I don't know how he's going to score and I don't know when or if he's going to get a finish. So I like Volkov. This might be a better fight to bet than for DraftKings, but my pick is Volkov. All right, moving on. We have three fights left. Young prospect here, Dominic Reyes, 8,900, taking on Ovens St. Peru, 7,300. Big line here for the youngster. Three, three, fight, three UFC fights, three first-round finishes. Biggest step up here. For me, though, it's I don't want any of Ovens St. Peru. He doesn't have a high output. He... You know, his two wins he's got by submission are where he scores well. Reyes seems to have be decent on the ground, long, lanky, explosive guy. I think best case for Ovin St. Peru is that Dominic Reyes gasses. I think Reyes is the real deal, will be better at range. I know St. Peru likes to sit back. I think he'll win the first couple rounds, gain uh, some confidence. The thing is, St. Peru has been in there with killers. He's lost, though. He decision of John Jones knocked up a Jimmy Manawa decision of Vulcan Ozdemir. His wins are Corey Anderson, a fight he lost the first two rounds of Yushin Okami, which is a different weight class, and that fight fight was fixed. I'm not. I have no hesitation about saying that that was a fixed fight if I've ever seen one in my life. Um, Marcos Rogério de Lima, and and somebody I didn't I don't even know top of my head. Fayao. I'm going through the logs. I watch a lot of MMA, and I don't remember who that is. All that being said, I think Reyes is the real deal. I am hesitant with the price. It's a large price tag, and he is still a bit of an unknown at 8900 but I think he's a good tournament option. Uh, Joe? Yeah, so I think it looks like uh, OSP that, or, or the UFC is settling OSP into this gatekeeper role. Um, you know, if Tyson Pedro didn't have, you know, the worst fight IQ – um, you know, of the Pan Pacific region, um, he should have won that fight standing. Instead, he, I, I, I don't know what he was thinking. Anyway, I won't get into it. Um, that was that should have been a loss. But OSP seems to snatch victory from the Traws of defeat. So for that reason, I'd probably have a few shares of him in GPPs. I don't like this fight all that much in cash, um, just because of the unknown. But I do think that. Uh, Reyes is a decent GPP option uh, to get a finish, um, but I would, in case, you know, OSP pulls off another miracle, have a few shares of him at, what is he, 7.5K, relatively cheap price, so or 7.3K, relatively cheap price. So I would, I would think about that, and uh, my pick is Reyes. Chris, what do you got? Yeah, um, I, I don't know if, if, if you all remember, but... I picked OSP in that Pedro fight, and the reason my reasoning was is that it's OSP and something weird is going to happen because that's that <laughs> is a, that's a hard way for me to try and make money. But Joe's, I guess well, for I, I agree, except in the case of, of OSP, because to Joe's point, he he just finds a way to win these fights. And at light heavyweight, if you're a big athletic guy and you can hang around, you know you're going to get your chances in in most in most fights. I mean, it sounds simplistic, but, I mean, that's just the state of the division right now. Um, a, guy, a guy like Alex Reyes, you know, I love him. I think he's toolsy. He's uh, athletic. He's defensively sound. He's got a good kicking game. He's good on the ground, all that stuff. We know that OSP backs himself up. That's, that's um, how he got finished by Manoa. He was having a hard time with kicking game of Marco Rogerio de Lima in that first round until he blitzed a takedown. Um, which he could do again. My only concern here, and, and Sean alluded to it, and I mentioned it on Twitter, is this is the best guy he's fought by far. Like, it's not even close. Like, he beat, who, the god Jeremy Kimball? And I, and I like Jared Cannonier. I, you know, like him a little bit less as I've seen him more and more. I think his boxing's actually regressing, but that's a, it's a different story. So I do like him, but um, but I don't know, man. Like, what what happens if, you know, if Reyes hits him and he just doesn't go away as he doesn't 
as he tends to hang around and he hangs around and so what happens then you know i just i just don't there's part of me that doesn't know if this is a test that um reyes is ready for but just on on the skill and on paper i have to go with reyes i think either way this fight doesn't go to a decision so if you want to be sneaky on DraftKings, i would have a few shares of osp because I, I honestly don't see this fight getting to a decision but yeah, the pick is one and a half it's under one and a half rounds like minus 160. wow yeah it's so something yeah it's a gpp fight yep all right co-main event of the evening tony master splinter ferguson 9300 that's a reference to his rambling press conference the other day, if you didn't watch it. Taking on Anthony Showtime, Pettis at 6,900. I assume that Chris is all in on Showtime because it's Showtime. <laughs> Ferguson, I Ferguson, hope not. He's not that dumb. Ferguson is the favorite in this fight, at minus 335. Pettis plus 305. I will say I have some concerns because Tony Ferguson is coming off of a knee injury in just five months. He should still be out. That being said... He's on a 10-fight win streak. And some names in that list, Abel Trujillo, Gleison Tebow, Edson Barbosa, Rafael Dos Anjos, Kevin Lee. And a lot of those fights, he's scoring 100 points. Needs it here. Showtime, though, is an interesting matchup in that Showtime's got that flashy style on the feet. We've seen it before. Both, it's, it just, it's a weird fight in that Ferguson, outside the personalities, they remind me a little bit of each other if they were in different weight classes, and they used to be in different weight classes. Um, Ferguson, the bigger guy, on the better role. Pettis looking for a resurgence, now at 155. If it wasn't for this knee injury, I'd probably be all on Tony Ferguson, but I'm just I'm pumping the brakes just a little bit. I do think Ferguson's better. I think while Pettis is slick on the ground, I do think Ferguson's better. I don't know it by, by a wide margin. I just think he's better there. So give me Tony Ferguson, but I might be underweight to the field in this one. And because that knee injury, God, I want to have, I'm going to have a few shares of Pettis. There's no way I can full fade Pettis. Um, and I'm, I played 20 lineups. So you're playing five. I still might have one just to, to purely punt. And I think it's a different type of play. Um, but if I play one, one Pettis, I'm probably playing two Ferguson. So take that for what you will. Uh, Joe, you start us off for this fight. Okay, so if you've seen videos of Tony Ferguson's workouts. He's a moron. There's no way that you could do the kind of workouts he does and be impaired in any way. So I'm a little less, I, I'm a little less concerned about the knee injury than, um, you know, than others just because of the workout footage that I've seen on him. I'm not ready to hand the reins over to – Anthony Pettis and say that, you know, that he's in the midst of a career resurgence based on one win against a depleted sick jitsu fighter and Michael Chiesa, who immediately moved up to welterweight. Yes, it was impressive. Um, you know, it was a nice win. I'm not ready to, to say that he's in the midst of a career resurgence over that one win. I, I like Tony quite a bit here. Um, I think he's pretty close to a cash game lock. Um, GPPs, um, you know, I don't know. He does throw a lot of significant strikes. Um, you know, he could throw 150 strikes in a three-round decision win, um, which would get you 75 points. He's just better everywhere than Pattis. He's better standing. He's a better grappler. He's a better wrestler. He's better defensively. He's got a better submission game. There's not one area of MMA at, the, at this point in their respective careers where Pattis has an advantage. And you know, the knee narrative, I get it if you want to be cautious, but from pure MMA perspective, I love Tony Ferguson here. Chris, what do you got for this fight? Yeah, uh, I think there's a couple things to like about Anthony Pettis here. Number one is the knee injury, which you guys have said. And look, it might, it might look all well and good when he's doing controlled stuff, like working out or, you know, everybody's talking, about, oh, he's doing spins at the workout and stuff. Nothing's controlled about Tony Ferguson's workouts. Well, well, I, well no, but for him, it, that, I mean, that's how he does it. So um, <laughs> let's, see what it, let's see what it looks like when he gets kicked in it a couple of times, you know. The other thing about him is, look, it, it can't be ignored when you're talking about Tony Ferguson. The guy gets hurt badly in every single fight. He got hurt badly in, in the Barboza fight. He got hurt badly in the, uh, what's his name? What's his name fight? The um, Lando Venata fight. Thank you. He got hurt badly 
in the Kevin Lee fight, he got mounted and was was taking shots at the end of round one. This is a guy who always puts himself in danger in round one. And look, Pettis is a, is a guy who he, he said, look, this is a resurgence. I'm gonna I'm gonna be the striker again. I'm gonna be the come forward guy. And if he does that, and look, what I think what I think Ferguson probably needs to do here is probably fight the way he fought Barboza, where he just blitzed out and. Um, I think that was a good style, but we actually saw some good counter boxing from Barboza in that fight, which was surprising and also was the reason why he didn't have as much success. But um, yeah, I um, I, I just said that that knee injury is. I mean, he's not coming back like a month. It's it's more than like a half a year that he was supposed to be out, and 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 he's he's back here. And I just don't know. Similar to Derek Lewis, you know, I I just don't know what it's going to look like in battle mode, you know. So. I think I think having some shares of Pettis is is a good strategy. I mean, I think he's way liver than the line is to win this fight um, for the for the reason of the injury, compounded by the fact that you know uh, he has those rough first rounds, and eventually, you know, when you when you do that, it, you know, you can only hang on for so long. Eventually, one of those guys is going to put you away. So I, I would say be a little careful about Ferguson here. You're getting some heat. <clears throat> Excuse me. Sip heat in, in in the chat. Um, yeah, oh, it, Chris. It, uh, Chris, that he wasn't hurt by RDA. He walked through everything for five rounds. Um, I didn't say RDA. RDA, in fact, you said RDA you, did, was you probably, did say you did say every. You fight. did say he was hurt in every fight. Okay, a little bit of hyperbole, guys. Come on. Okay, I'm but, just I'm just saying. And somebody asked, is he because? Cash lock. I think it's a different conversation. Cash lock over Luke. No, Luke is the better cash play. I would agree. Yeah. And I but do. I mean, there are ways you could get both guys in your cash lineup. Somebody mentioned that, and I agree with the, the sentiment that if um, O'Malley Canones didn't get scrapped, I would have had both. But that's not the case. Not the world we live in. So, let's get to our main event. Guys, who's our main event? Anybody know? Oh wow, that's, right. that's a tough yeah. one. Habib, the Eagle, Nurmagomedov, 8,400, taking on the notorious Conor McGregor at 7,800. I haven't looked at the line of this fight in a while because I'm not betting it. Minus 175 for Habib, wow. Plus 165 for Conor. Look, everybody knows the fight breakdown in this. We are here for DraftKings. So I'm going to be clear. We all, know the, we all know the fight breakdown. Conor McGregor has to catch Habib coming in. Knock him out. Habib, if he gets his arms around Connor, gets him to the ground, it's probably a wrap. You can debate whether or not Connor can stop a takedown and get back up. They have to reset after round one. I think we all know the fight breakdown. We all know a striker versus grappler. So before, before we go into DFS, we'll at least give our picks on the fight. That being in mind, let's not add anything to the fight breakdown. Everybody knows it, and quite frankly, as much as I love MMA, I'm sick to death of talking about it. So I'm picking Habib. Joe, who are you picking for this fight? Anybody anybody know uh, what's a mile long and has an IQ of 40? The St. Patrick's Day Parade. Oh, um, I, I am very bitter, as you know, um, about Connor, simply because I paid up for a huge VIP package for the Barclays card, and Connor totally decimated it. Yep. So uh, I don't see any way I could, I could back the redheaded chicken here. Um, my pick is, is Khabib. Chris, just pick here. Who are you picking for this fight? Habib? I can't talk about the fight at all. I just got to. We're going to go back to that. We'll go back to it if you want to give a little bit. But please, I mean, I'm so sick of the breakdown. Yeah, there's, there's, there's right, enough I mean, out there. We all know it. Yeah, it's people like come from my awesome insight, guys. Khabib's got to get takedowns. He's got to win the round. Uh, yeah, yeah. Connor's going to win early. Khabib could win. I mean, it's like it's, it's all kind of Do you have anything different to say in all seriousness? Do you have anything? I, I, well, no. I mean, I was just going to say that, um, you know, we obviously know that, you know, Connor, you know, where he looked the best, Aldo and, um, and um, Eddie Alvarez, is guys who gave him enough time to stand in that range and manipulate it, where he's a master. And I just don't think that Khabib's pace and pressure is going to allow that. I yep. think that um, Connor's going to be having to make decisions all fight where where um, he's not going to get time. And I think, look, can he catch him with a counter shot? Maybe. But I, I think my, like my, my read here is I, I would go a little bit further than even earlier or late. I think if he doesn't spark him out, 
I think it's Khabib's fight. Yeah, so I, think, I, 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 I think we all agree with that. And the one caveat I'll add to that is that that's Habib's style. It's usually Eddie Alvarez's style. But holy God. Um, he apologized to his coaches for not yeah. following game plan. So, but I don't think Connors and Habib's head here. I just don't. But if he, if he loses his game plan, we've seen what could happen. That being said, how do we approach this from DFS? Do we stack? Do you go all in on one side? What are you going to do? What are, what are your strategies for this fight? Joe, how are you approaching it? It's 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 a stack in cash. As much as I hate to Ooh, it's, stack, I think it's a pretty it's a pretty clear stack in cash. In terms wait, of wait, 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 time. I have to stop you for a second because I'm usually on the side of, st- of stacking. I don't like to stack in this fight at all because I think if Connor wins, it's 105 quick, quick knockout. If Habib wins 115 to five, like you're going to get, I, I don't think you get even 10x out of a stack. I don't think you get 8x out of the stack. Like I I'm, do. I'm, okay. I do. I like it as a stack. I mean, in terms of GPPs, my strategy is likely going to be, I haven't looked at my numbers yet, but probably six, three and one or five, four and one, you know, one meaning that, you know, uh, like 10% fade of the main event, but 90%, you know, all in on the main event. So, you know, five, four and one, six, three and one, depending on how strongly you feel about the winner, that's how I would play it. So that means if you're playing GPPs, guys, you, for those new, sorry if you're you know a diehard and you're listening. I just want to explain this to everybody new we have listening. You should be playing multiple lineups in these tournaments. Throwing one bullet at them, it's a really hard way to win. You need your lineup to be different. This allows you to play both sides of the fight, get get them the winner in it, and build your best lineup around them. So Joe's saying about five five, you know six and four five. You know, no, five six and McGregor. three or five and four. Always, I'm 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 reserving one lineup for a main event fade. Okay, which means because most people are going to roster the main event, that's why he's giving himself that, that edge if it doesn't end up in the best lineup. Right. Chris, how about for you? Yeah, I, I, I like that. I, I would go along with Joe there. Um, I, I, I like leaving one lineup um, for a total fade, although, you know, I, I, think it, I think a stack could work here because I don't think it's spark out or spark out. I think if Khabib wins, um, you know, we, we could see that mauling um, – grinding style that we've seen the past couple fights. I mean, and, you know, and, 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 and he gets, and Connor gets some significant strikes in. Yeah, sure. Connor, Connor will get some blows in if that's the case. I mean, look, look, we saw him put up huge, huge numbers against Barboza, huge numbers against uh, Michael Johnson. I mean, I don't, I don't think that, um, you know, and I think he can finish these guys. I just, I don't think he likes to. So you got a guy who's gonna just. He finished Johnson. Huh? He, oh no, he did. But I mean, it was it was very late, and um, you know, he, he already had a billion points by that by that time anyway. But um, but yeah, so I, I'll go I'll go along with Joe here. If, if you're gonna play, um, if if you if you're just if you're just playing a couple, um, boy, like I think Khabib's gonna win the fight, but it's 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 hard to pass Connor at what is it seventy six? He said seventy eight. I mean, I mean that that's a hard pass. I don't know. I, I mean, um. I think I mean it kind of reminds me of of the Eddie Alvarez pricing. I think it was similar, uh, where Connor was in the seven thousands, and it was it was just it was just a gift for everybody who who took him. I mean, don't forget how good Connor McGregor has been. Um, but having said that, my pick is just could be. All right, this is your first time watching, listening. We do hot takes. These are takes that are hot. Obviously, don't go all in based on these picks. Some of the things you're about to hear are probably a little outrageous there for fun. We do hit them on occasion. Actually, we're probably like 50-50, which is – I'm on, I'm on of, a roll with my hot takes. Which, which, is, which is kind of crazy considering what we do here. So anybody got one locked and loaded hot take? I do, but it's not it's not a super hot take. But I am so, going to say um, Pettis Brothers zero, opponents two. So uh, there will not be a Pettis brother who wins. Man, I don't even know you anymore, Joe. Yeah. Really? Yeah, um, I mean that's hot esque. I, I, I guess what the Pettis them. brothers fought on the same slate. They both lost as well. So I'm, yeah. I'm seeing a repeat. Is I'm seeing a repeat of that. Yeah, that's not super hot, but that's one I had locked and loaded. So 
Other than Chris, Todd Devinger. Yeah, um, this is more of a loyalty play because the last time I hit a hot take, it was Anthony Pettis on a triangle arm bar. So I'm going to oh, say, um, you know, hey, you know, Tony Ferguson does the snap down city, yada, yada, yada. They get in the scramble. Pettis is, is on the bottom, throws up the triangle. It gets there. I, I can see it happening. So, you know, that's going to be that's going to be my loyalty hot take of the day. Right. You guys, you guys just have your hot take game. Ready? I'm gonna go nuts. Alan Patrick, twelve takedowns. Ooh, that is a, that's the hottest of our hot takes for sure. Scott we, didn't know, we, we didn't even do that fight. Yeah, I was gonna we, say, did we, we, we totally we, skipped that fight. Did we? It's my no, hot take. Yeah, we skipped it, dude. I missed it. Huh. Let, let's do it real quick. I, real I mean, quick. So well, one thing, one thing that Holtzman is good at is getting up after he's taken down, which bodes exactly. well for which bodes well for Patrick. I like Patrick. I think he's a sneaky GPP play. Um, I think he'll be slightly. I think he'll be under owned. Um, you know, Holtzman is physical, ex hockey player, good athlete. Um, I think uh, I think he will. Patrick will have no problem taking him down and taking him down multiple times. I think twelve is ambitious, but. I think he's a sneaky GPP play. That's why it's a hot take, and I, I agree with that. Chris, anything to add to it? Not really. Um, I, I, Patrick is is um, more athletic. Um, Holtzman has, has, has a really bad striking game. He gets himself out of position a lot. So even a few counters wouldn't be out of the question. But essentially, yes, I just I like – Patrick to take him down over and over and over again. How did we miss that? That's uh, I don't know. Uh, that, it's that, good that, that you had it as a hot take though, because my bad. Yeah. yeah. Otherwise, otherwise, you would have missed the fight. <laughs> All right, guys, that's it for Fight IQ. Go to RotoWire.com/slash/free. Ten days, no credit card required. Is Check there out a break? All the, paid con- all the paid content. I think our next event is. Let me look. Twenty seventh, I think. Is it right? Denver? We have that long of a break. I think so. We do. We have three weeks off, so we'll see you guys in three weeks. Guys, keep on checking out. Hopefully you enjoy DraftKings MMA. If you're new, the regulars, we appreciate you guys. Thank you. Like, thumbs up, follow all of us on Twitter. If you're new and and if you're old, regardless, enjoy Khabib Nurmagomedov and Conor McGregor. Assuming we get the fight, I am fingers crossed. Guys, anything to add before we head on out of here? No, man. Good luck. Lots of money to be won on DK. Not with your head, not over it. Exactly. Play within a bankroll, guys. Above all, above all, just enjoy because it's it's just going to be a great night. So, don't with all our 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 lust for you know money, power, and women, don't forget to <laughs> don't forget to just be a fan uh, every once in a while. This is a great card, a great fight to do it. So make sure that you take time to enjoy the fights. Take care, guys. Good luck. Peace out. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.